Hi, TYV on the run. Well, welcome to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be studying and looking at Ephesians 1. As I read Ephesians over you, I want you to really not just read it like you're a spectator, um, reading something that is not about you or not impacting you at all. Sometimes we read the Bible and we read it more like a spectator rather than an interactive book or letter that is speaking to you directly. So as I read Ephesians 1, I want you to feel the very personal nature of it and take these promises personally. Um, Paul is talking to the Ephesians, but he's talking to you. As a Christian, you can claim the promises in this book. So let's begin. Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him you were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to be put our, put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Can you feel Paul really just starting this letter, this incredible letter? It is a prison epistle, meaning what? He's in prison when he's writing this and he doesn't slow down. He's got this essence and this sense of victory and this sense of how Christ is above all. And in him, we have so many promises that we can continue to declare no matter what our circumstances are. Now, in the beginning, guys, 
um, you can't see it because you're, I'm reading this over you, but it says to God's holy people in Ephesus, and then there's a little A above the Ephesus, meaning what? Meaning this is, um, and if you have a look at the reference, it says um, some early manuscripts do not have Ephesus. They actually have found a manuscript with Laodicea. So it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God to God's holy people in Laodicea. Now, we know that this is a circular letter. Why do we care about that? We care about that because knowing what style of letter it's going to be, we're going to notice the language that Paul is using. So I know that this is a circular letter, meaning this letter was supposed to be um, sent around to all the churches and they would just insert the name of the church in that Ephesus part. So it's going to be a very broad, general letter of the, the Christian life. So it could go to any church at any at any time and speak directly into their life. And you get this essence of Paul raising up the Christians and causing them to see above their circumstances. Now we have a look at Ephesus. And we know that Ephesus has this incredible temple of Diana, temple of Artemis, and it is a massive structure in the city, a massive structure. And it basically is the stronghold of the city. It has idolatry. It is basically the cultural center of the city, and it is absolutely huge, one of the seventh wonders of the world at that time. And you can research this. So Paul is saying, no matter where you live, no matter what stands against you, no matter what in the natural comes against you, to, to almost assert its dominance that your God is not big enough compared to this massive temple of Diana and Artemis, your God's not big enough to overtake this, Paul is raising the Christian's eyes back up and saying, no, Jesus Christ is above all powers, all authorities. And you can hear in the language, I'm just going to jump down to... Um, says that power, I'm in 19, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You're going to hear this language of Christ is seated at the right hand in heavenly realms. So I don't care what the circumstances of your life say. I don't care what screams at you in your society that is greater than your God. Nothing is greater than your God because he is seated at the right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. This is a very cultural thing that you invoke the name of the God and it kind of conjures or activates the power of that God. And he says, do not invoke the name of any God. He says, your God, Jesus, is above every name that is invoked. So you can hear the very culture of the first century in this letter. Now, I want to jump back up. We know that first century letters always start with who wrote it, and you heard that, Paul. A quick what what he is, an apostle of Christ Jesus, almost like a quick CV, to who is who it is to God's holy people in Ephesus. Grace and peace was just a, uh, a normal first century letter writing tool. And then they would go into the thanksgiving. I give thanks for you or praise be to our God. Now, Paul in this letter is very passionate about you knowing who you are. He starts this letter with, I want the Christians to know who they are, to stop being influenced by the society around them, to stop being influenced by what the society tells them that they are, and to know upon which foundation we stand as Christians. So he starts, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, Jesus Christ isn't... Um, Jesus' first name and surname. It's a declaration of Jesus being the anointed Messiah. It's a declaration of lordship. Lord Jesus Christ means, guys, don't think of him as just a man. Know that he is Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Did you notice that? Has blessed us. You are not 
being blessed, I mean, we are being blessed, but has, meaning it is something that you already have and can claim. So when you pray, you don't pray, oh God, please bless me. You say, thank you, God, that I am blessed and you claim it. So it says, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms? What does that mean? Earth doesn't determine your blessings. Your circumstances don't determine your blessings. You are blessed and already blessed in the heavenly realms. It's calling it down to earth with every spiritual blessing in Christ, meaning there is not one spiritual blessing that Christ didn't obtain for you on the cross. And I think sometimes as Christians, we don't live like that. We live almost like We're not going to get the full spiritual blessing until we get to heaven. But we are called to live like Paul is saying here. You have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it's about standing on those promises. For he chose us in him. Now, did you notice the repeated term of in him, in him? What does in him mean? It's like saying um, these blessings come when you find yourself in him in him is that 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 essence of salvation that we become in Christ and when we get saved when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is lord we step into kind of like this in him in him we are blessed we become in him and it's i kind of get this imagery like iron man you know has tony stark kind of is in the suit that's as Christians, we become in him. And it's it's in that Christ relationship that all these promises come to pass. So for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Can I say to you guys, when were you chosen? You weren't chosen because you worked hard at church or that you kept serving or that you prayed every day diligently. And those are good things. You were chosen before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. These are promises and declarations over you now. You don't earn your holiness and, and um, to be blameless in, Christ, in Christ's sight. You have that right now and you have to walk as a Christian in that promise to know that you have that. I love this. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship, meaning what? I know there's a debate about predestination, but I don't want to go into that debate. I want to take the purity of this text and say, in love, he predestined us for adoption. What does that mean? From the creation of the world, he knew that you would be his son and daughter. From the creation of the world, he chose you holy and blameless and set you apart to be his son and daughter. And I love that. Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure, he delights over you. He doesn't want you to be a... It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And that says it in Romans. But he loves and delights over you. And he's so excited that you chose to be in a reciprocal relationship with him. Oh my gosh, I could keep going. It says in seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You've got to know that you are redeemed. Sometimes circumstances can jump back and you don't feel redeemed, but you've got to know that you are redeemed because you are in him. You have forgiveness of sins. Now there's this language in here with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. This is very much a first century Greco-Roman understanding that the mystery um, of the, the God's wills, you know, little G God will, um, had to be sought after. It had to be smart, educated people that sought after the will of God and the mystery that, that is hidden from humanity. And I think sometimes we, we have that relationship with God that everything is hidden and we have to, we have to earn it or we have to buy it or, you know, work-based um, Christianity is almost like this essence of I have to work to find God's will for my life. And Paul, very in the beginning of this letter, says, no. Nah. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. And what he's saying is he, he makes it known. It's, it's, it's a mystery to others, but because we're in Christ, 
we have the Holy Spirit that downloads the will of God to us. We have the Holy Spirit that will direct us. And you've got to be strong and assured that God is guiding you. And you know what? Sometimes we can get a little bit shaky on that because we don't understand what is happening around us. And maybe, oh, I don't know the will of God. You know, you just got to be very strong and secure that you do know the will of God and the will of God will be revealed to you in that in that time that you need it the most. You just got to walk in relationship with him. Now, this next section, the will of God is what? To put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment. That's when it's happening. So he's saying there's, there's this to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. He's saying this from a cosmic level. If we take the will of God out of just an individualistic thing and from a cosmic level, he's saying this, he's saying he showed us this will, this mystery that, 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 um, is made known to us. And the mystery that is made known to us is to bring everything into unity, everything in heaven, everything on earth under Christ. And this is going to happen in the end times, that the restoration of Genesis 1 to 3, of everything being united under God, everything being under Christ, he knows that that's God's cosmic universal plan at the end, to bring everything, heaven on earth, like it says in the daily prayer, you know, um, on on heaven in heaven as it is sorry uh, in heaven and as it as it is on earth and reverse and we've got this essence of God's bringing everything that is happening in heaven on earth into unity under Christ and I love this sense and He says later and I'm going to point it out later He says the church's unity is to display that unity first and foremost so that people will know this is going to happen with heaven and earth coming together. We are the display of unity that is a forward promise that God will unify all heaven and earth at the end. And that's a little bit hard to wrestle with, but um, we'll wrestle with that. It says, in him you were chosen. I love this, guys. Sometimes you can feel like, you know, there's others more chosen than you. Sometimes you can even feel like God has favorites. God doesn't have favorites. You are chosen and you need to stand today and declare it over yourselves. Ephesians says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to be put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of our glory. This is so beautiful. He talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now let me focus on these things lastly. I love this. He says, I keep, I'm in 17, I keep asking and I'm praying over this today. Whatever you're doing, you're on a bus, you're cleaning the house. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm declaring this over you today. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Do you know that today the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom and revelation so that you know, may know him better? Because knowing him better will know that he is good and he is loving and he is kind and he is slow to anger and he has compassion over you because sometimes the world will tell you what Jesus is. And Paul says, I do not want the world to tell you who your God is or your Jesus is. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Holy Spirit, and that beautiful essence of that relationship so that you will know him better. He then says more. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So number one, he wants you to know Christ better. Number two, he wants you to know the hope that you have and is which he has called you. You have hope. I don't care what your circumstances tell you today. You have hope. Why? Because Ephesians and the word of God tells you. And then he says, the glorious 
the riches of his glorious inheritance. He says, you have an inheritance. I don't care if your family's not wealthy and you feel like the inheritance isn't there. You have an inheritance. And lastly, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. He, he, Paul wants you to know that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you would, one, know him better. Two, know the hope to which he has called you. Three, know the inheritance that you have. And lastly, know the power that you have. Because sometimes in our lives, we can doubt the power of God, especially when sickness and illness comes or circumstances comes comes upon our lives where you just feel lost. You just feel like, I don't know what's going on. You have to know. Maybe read Ephesians again and study it on the Trash Your Bible website. But you have to know that your God, and I love this, incomparably great power, meaning what? I don't care what um, the strongholds of this earth tell you. I don't care what the other things in this earth tell you. Your God has incomparable great power to get you through anything you face anything you face on this earth. And why? Because he is above and it says all powers, all authorities, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but the age to come. Saying when you bring a problem before God in your prayer life, don't say, oh God, if you can. I remember saying that once, oh God, if you can. And he's like, did you just say, if you can? Katie Haldane, (laughs) read Ephesians again and say, I have incomparably great power. You don't come before God and say, Lord, if you can, you come before God and say, I know that you have all power, above all dominions, above every name that is invoked and above above this age, present age, and also the one to come. You are the God above all these circumstances. And it says here, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. Paul has this essence in this Ephesians that he's starting this book with power, knowing who you are, knowing that God is going to unify you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And it's it's this beautiful essence of unity under Christ. Why? Because when things happen on this earth, you start to doubt God's power. You start to doubt God's ability. Maybe it's the news and you, you start to doubt that God is going to take care of you. And you need to know in Ephesians, I'm reading this over you so that you will know that my God is above all powers, all principalities. You are chosen. You are holy. You are blameless. In him, you have every spiritual blessing. And I want you to remember that today as you go about your job, as you walk with favour in your workplace, in your family, no matter what is happening around you, Ephesians declares your identity in Christ is that you are blessed. You have every spiritual blessing. You are chosen. And I pray today that the eyes of your heart, the Holy Spirit, will get show you greater things about God's goodness and his nature so that you can go to a greater level of knowledge of the calling that God has for you, the promises that God has for you, and his incomparable great power over your family and all your circumstances. So that is Ephesians 1, guys. I cannot wait to jump in Ephesians 2 in the next podcast. But today, stand in the promises of God that Paul... And God, the word of God has declared over you today that you have the promises of God, every spiritual blessing, stand in it.